Yorkie in the pistol. Now Collins stands next to him in the shotgun. Yorkie asks for it and now has it. Yorkie will throw across the middle. Got it complete. Cody Rice behind the Wolverines. He dives. Touchdown, Michigan State. He split the defenders and the Spartans strike first in Ann Arbor. This is Spartan Red Zone, your source for the best MSU and college football analysis, picks, banter, and anything else going on in the college football world. Here's your host, Brian Collins. Back on SRZ, Ryan Collins, Joe Dandron back on the show this week, Eric Bach, Jared Ramsey, special guest last week, back with us, and Nathan Stearns from an iPhone. Nathan is not happy with his internet service. Can, do you want to give some complaints for the listeners? Not particularly. I have plenty. I have plenty <laughs> for like, so I don't want to fuck with them all. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, crazy week, election going on. Nice distraction, getting to talk to you guys. And, and, and thank God the match brought this whole country together last night when we desperately needed it. All the problems are solved. All of America's problems are now gone because of Maction. I mean, power outages, people puking, uh, miss sets your points, guys giving literally tossing the game away in the Ball State Miami Ohio game. The Ball State quarterback literally just hands the game to Miami at the end. So it was a perfect night of action. Okay, it was. It was beyond perfect. <laughs> Dandron had a big night. Dandron had a big night imagine. Did I, I, I want to get you guys' take. I don't know if you guys watched the Central Michigan game at all last night. Me and my roommates had an argument. If you saw a picture of the quarterback, I thought he had one of those rib cage things. But they were saying he was a little chunky. I didn't think he was chunky. Yes, he no, was chunky. Definitely, they're right. He's definitely chunky. Yeah, I looked it up <laughs> last night. His um His listing on their website is five. Five, eight and a half, and two hundred and fifteen pounds. So I think it's just he's he used uh, put on the COVID fifteen. A lot of that around the waistline. Yes. Yeah, that's not Jared Lorenzen size, but that is decent size. Rest in peace, Jared Lorenzen. But <laughs> yeah, uh, for real, the, I'll the tell hefty you, lefty, hefty lefty. Yes. Rest in peace. Yes. Rest, rest in, in peace. peace. But I'll tell you. I mean, I love matching. Love it. Great distraction for everything that's going on. Been a crazy week. But this is SRZ. This is the Michigan State football podcast. We obviously got to talk about Michigan and Michigan State because that's the biggest story this week in the state of East Lansing. It's state of East Lansing, city of East Lansing. Sorry. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it was it was truly unbelievable. And I know that, you put, that you're going to play a call at the beginning of the show. I'm not sure which call you're playing, but there's plenty of times that Stearns and I are in disbelief Throughout the broadcast, you can pick yes. your moment. You can pick your moment of Stearns and I being in disbelief about what's going on, what was transpiring before us. But man, it was I pretty. What, it, I, I I helped you guys put edit the uh, call together, so I listened to the majority of it on uh, Tuesday. And the last fifteen minutes, you and Stearns the whole time. I'm speechless. Yeah. Stern's <laughs> <laughs> about just keep on going back and forth. I am speechless. What a job by Mel Tucker. And, and it was. Michigan State wins 27-24. Zero turnovers both ways. Super clean game. Ricky White, obviously, the story has, I, I believe he had six touches for 196 yards and one touchdown. Eight and catches, I, yeah. Eight catches. Sorry. I, didn't have, I don't have the stats wrote ahead of me. I mean, Connor Hayward, everyone getting on him. He played really well. Did what he does. He's got great hands. 
uh, just fantastic hands. Rocky, I mean, looked very good. Got the ball out quick. And somewhat like Bob said in the dot here, more than serviceable. Made plays with his feet. You saw a couple plays where the little pitch play to Jordan Simmons to pick up a first down. They incorporated a little bit more run concepts for him that I I, I don't think were as successful as it could be, but it was interesting to see that. But I, I, And Michigan State's defense was fantastic. And, and, and I think that was, personally, I, I want to hear what you guys think, especially Bach, Dandron, and Stearns, and of course, Jared. Just, I, I thought the defense was the biggest story coming out of this game for Michigan State. I mean, I know there's a lot of storylines on the Michigan side with hardball, and, and we can obviously talk about that. But strictly from the Michigan State side of things, the way this defense played and the way the secondary played, I thought was more tangible evidence than what the offense was able to produce on the field for Michigan State. That was just my personal opinion. I think that, you know, I mean, especially the secondary played great. I thought Shakur Brown had a really great game. Chris Jackson played really Juan well. Juan Gervin played fantastic. And I, Gervin I, I, as well. And yeah, I have yeah. not been a Juan Gervin guy. He no, played no. very well. A lot, of, a lot of people haven't. And he struggled in week one. Um, you know, in general, the defense did. Granted, they were put in bad spots against Rutgers and the offense. Lombardi acknowledged that. But I thought that, you know, just the way kind of like a bend, don't break kind of play style for this MSU defense against U of M on Saturday was really the theme. And also the tackling was exceptional. Like there were a couple plays in there that, you know, especially the linebacker spot, Chase Klein, Noah Harvey. Noah Harvey and Antoine Simmons had the game of their had incredible games, first of all. Um, Simmons, the tipped pass might have been one of the plays of the game, one of the saving plays of the game. Um, you know, some of the tackles that were made when, you know, there was like, it, you just had one guy to beat for a, one of the, a Michigan running back had one guy to beat and an ankle tackle happened on third down or second and long, you know, it put Michigan in a lot of bad spots um, offensively. And so did the, you know, I think penalties play a huge part in this game as well. The penalties on Michigan that happened throughout the game were just drive killers. And I thought that, you know, it's a, it was a testament to how much the defense improved from one week to the next, you know, granted the seven turnovers doesn't help your defense is going to be on the field a lot, but you know, the defense was exceptional and the tackling was at another level. Um, That was something that was as sharp as a nail. Yeah. I, I, Nathan, I want to get your perspective on this. Looking at, I, I, I mean, we kind of raved about Michigan's offensive line going into last week's game. They have four new starters, and we, we thought they were going to bully this Michigan State defensive line. In the trenches, they were really good. And no showed up for the first – I know it's the second game. Ponishoot showed up big. Big. He did. He did. And it was as simple for me as who wanted it more. You can look at all the schematics. You can look at the inside zone, outside zone runs, the combo blocks, yada, yada, yada. The end of the day, Michigan State wanted it more. That's what this comes down to. You were rotating in. I was critical of the rotation when Naquan Jones and Jacob Slater out of the game. Naquan Jones goes down with a shoulder injury. He might have dislocated his shoulder or something. I don't know. And then Jalen Hunt comes in and they don't miss a beat. Him and Deshaun Mallory were phenomenal. They each got in on several minimal yardage running gains. I mean, those back eight the second defensive line rotation was sensational and the biggest takeaway for me on the offense defense special teams is the ability to respond after they got punched in the mouth this was going to be a game of 
okay, yeah, you're going to get punched in the mouth. Who's going to be the one to last the land haymaker? Who is going to be the one to land the last haymaker? Michigan State gets ahead seven to nothing. Michigan comes back. Michigan State leads the majority of that game, and then Joe Milton goes down the field and ties it up at 17 all. Spartans kick a field goal, and then they had that Connor Hayward screen for the touchdown to put the game on ice. So for me, that was more encouraging than the result itself. You saw toward the latter end of last season, whenever that team got punched in the mouth, they just folded, especially after they were ahead 7-3 earlier in Michigan last year in Ann Arbor. Michigan scored. There was no fight. The, the life had gone out. But it was time and time and time again, everything that Michigan threw at them, including the kitchen sink, it didn't derail this team. And this team continued to come back and come back and come back. And that's the sign of a mentally sound team. And that's probably the biggest tenet that you need program-wise going into a rebuild. And any detractors, anybody on that team that thought that maybe Mel Tucker wasn't fit for the job or this mentality that he was preaching was all coach speak, I can guarantee you that those detractors, their their doubts are assuaged. They have to be. Joe, I, I, Jared, I wanted to ask you this. Um, did you think – I find it – I mean, the wide receivers for Michigan State obviously looks like a strength for their offense, obviously. But did you – you looked at the deep threat and being a, the ability to move the ball downfield as something that will be ha- be able to do something the entire year, or is it just the fact that Don Brown's defense was not able to adjust to Michigan State and, and, and Michigan was for some reason playing seven men basically into the box and leaving their cornerbacks on the island? Do you, do you think it's more Michigan State wide receivers or Michigan's defensive scheme? I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. Um, Michigan State's receivers proved that they were the better athletes on Saturday. <clears throat> Vincent Gray yeah. was matched a tough up against game. Ricky White, and he got burnt time and time again. But I think I think it just shows that MSU has their wide receiver core is the strongest part of their team right now. It, and um, Trey Mosley, who is a starter, he's going to come back soon. Um, according to Tucker, he doesn't know what. He didn't specify when, though. Um, so it's only going to get stronger going forward. And the biggest thing for me was the pass protection from the offensive line. Um, Very Matt, good. Matt Allen was out. Um, and Nick Samak, the sophomore, stepped up and had an amazing game against um, Carlo Kemp. And it was – I mean, it wasn't just him, though. Everyone really stepped up and allowed Rocky to have the time to find his receivers and let the receivers develop their routes. So if, I think if the offensive line can continue their play from the Michigan game, I think that MSU will have success moving the ball, e- either in, through deep throws or through dink and dunk running the ball. I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I mean, they didn't really run the ball in Michigan. They lost a rushing battle, which is obviously a key stat, especially in this game. But you were right. I mean, they got the football out quick, but – Rocky was never really on his bat, not a lot of pressure. And the only time you really saw pressure is when they were trying to set up screen plays. So I, I, I just an overall good effort, really good called game by Jay Johnson. I thought, and Ricky white, obviously the story he, I mean, he played fantastic. And, and this is Ricky white, a three-star two-star out of Georgia. You never really hear about these guys. It's a, that's a Michigan state guy. And that is the type of like you look back at the dark West Denards, you look at like Keith Mumphreys, they just the random guys from Georgia, the random guys from Ohio. That is how Michigan State stays successful and is able to compete at a high level in the Big Ten. And I, I'm curious, as Mel Tucker, as he's in his first year, as he recruits a little bit more nationally, tries to go on the West Coast, if he tries to stick 
to that draw. I, I mean, you obviously they're going to recruit in Ohio. That's probably their biggest recruiting base. But you stick to those places like Georgia, and you find you find a couple gems there instead of going out to like California and Texas. Do you guys see Rayshon Benny on two four seven while we're talking about recruiting briefly? The whole time they had him as a Michigan pick. And over the last couple days, everybody switched. Alan Triu, the lead recruiting expert, the kind of reports on Michigan State. They haven't gone to MSU now. Like, when you beat a school like Michigan, recruits who are on the fence, like Benny, that helps so much. They even had Andrew Anthony. And I don't – maybe I'm – Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. Cryptic tweet with the eyes. Maybe he's reconsidering his decision. But if that's the difference between getting Rayshon Benny and not getting Rayshon Benny, it's huge. I mean, that's the highest recruit Michigan State's going to have coming into next year. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to touch on that briefly. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, I, I think it's probably more about the state of Michigan, and we can move into that after I, I think Eric wanted to say something. But, I mean, you, you beat Michigan, and the way you did, it kind of looked like Mel Tucker completely outcoached Jim Harbaugh in his first year with limited resources and limited time. It's impressive. And, and, and that's going to just motivate people, especially kids in state. You're like, maybe I don't want to go to Michigan. And that doesn't even mean I, I, I want to go to Michigan state, but maybe I don't want to go to Michigan right now. Yeah. You just made the point that I was going to make that one Mel Tucker and staff completely out coached Harbaugh and his staff. They attacked what they knew was going to be Michigan's game plan to just play tight man to man coverage on the outside and thought they could exploit that, which they did. And um, not make adjustments. I'm sorry. Oh, well, Don Brown, you know, people are calling for Harbaugh's head, but I think that if Harbaugh wants to buy himself a little bit of more time, if he, if he still even wants to continue to be the head football coach at the university of Michigan, which at this point to me is not clear that he does. He's just disinterested. Um, Yeah. Um, But if he truly wants to, build keep building and try to get to the Ohio State level in the Big Ten which I'm I don't think he's going to be able to um he needs to fire Don Brown he needs to either change or or die that's what that's what was Mark D'Antonio's downfall in the end he refused to adapt and change and his tenure ended the way that we all know that it did I mean so yeah I completely agree with you. Michigan State and Michigan State defensively just was pound for pound just as strong as Michigan on the front seven. I mean, the defensive line, you said it, Stearns. I thought Jacob Slade was maybe, other than Panashuk, the best defensive lineman on the field on Saturday. And that's including Quiddy Pay and Aiden Hutchinson. How Those two dudes didn't get any pressure on Lombardi the whole game. Yeah. And they were living in the backfield in the Minnesota game. Those two guys which, were. Which, Eric, I mean, that's a great point. I mean, those that's what was crazy to me watching the game. There's no Matt Allen. Nick Samak, a guy who I liked last year. I just – how there was just – and you saw on the other side, Michigan State's defensive line was getting pressure on Mill the entire game. Whole but, game. With rushing only but, four guys. Michigan yeah. State didn't even have to blitz. No, which was – I with for an offensive line that looked as good as it did against Minnesota – I think all of this says more about how good Minnesota is, especially after the Maryland loss that they had the day before the game um, than anything really, in my opinion. But yeah, I mean, that's a great point. I just like, I didn't understand that. It was just hard to like, like what happened, you know, it's like what changed. 
You bring up a good yeah. point there, Joe, about Minnesota, and maybe we just kind of overreacted because, I mean, yeah. Minnesota might not just be – they might not be good this year and Which, stuff like it, that. And, and, and we might have – and Rutgers might be a little bit better than they usually are. I, I want to ask you guys, this, does this game change what you think for Michigan State's season outlook? I think before the season we were all around three to four wins for this group. I, I'm not going to go crazy and be like, oh, they can win five games now. But – after last week, I, I was questioning if they're going to be able to win two games. Like I, I seriously was, I, I, and I think this week kind of just leveled the expectations for both programs for Michigan and Michigan State. The only expectation that you can expect from this team after two games is to have absolutely no expectations, because they're prop they're not as bad as they showed against Rutgers, and they probably aren't as good as they showed against Michigan. I think it was a combination of the rivalry. And it was a combination of Jim Harbaugh doing what Jim Harbaugh does best and Don Brown over the years refusing to do anything other than blitzing and leaving his poor young quarterbacks out on an island and playing man coverage. But take the wins and losses out of it. What you need to expect from here on out is this team is going to lose to Ohio State, probably going to lose to Indiana. But you know what? Show me that when you get socked in the mouth that you have the ability to have a 95-yard scoring drive that you have the ability to finish with seven points instead of three. There are still things that this team can improve on even after everything that went well against Michigan. There always are. So show me that you are fixing those mistakes. The biggest takeaway I had, too, against that whole Michigan game was everything that we said about Rutgers, putting the ball on the deck. Show me that you corrected that. That's another hallmark of a good coach. Don't just say you're going to correct it. Make your team correct it. So that's the biggest thing I need to see. You know, wins, losses – Throw that out the window. If they continue this current track of toughness, of perseverance, of everybody has to earn their spot, if Elijah Collins can't earn his spot, then everybody's not immune, which is a good message to send to the program. So that's my biggest expectation going forward. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's pretty fair. And before we move on to Iowa, does anyone have any more Michigan bashing they want? Because I'll just say that. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, I, I, I know a bunch of Michigan fans. They're not happy. I don't think they'll ever fire him. I think he'll eventually leave in the next year or two if he can't beat Ohio State this year or next year. It'll be mutual. I don't know where they go from there, but it, I mean, it can't get, I, I, I can, it could get worse. We've seen Rich Rod and Brady Hoke, but like, stop being so afraid to try something different, Michigan. You can't live in your past yeah. forever. Well, here's the thing about Michigan. He, his contract is up after next season. Yes. So, and at this point, high-profile coaches such as Jim Harbaugh that are paid the salary that Jim Harbaugh is paid, if the school is truly wanting to hold on to them, they're already they've already have signed an extension at this point. They don't let the contract get to list late in in the yes. deal. You know, so you said it, Collins. They're not going to fire him, but I would be shocked if Jim Harbaugh is the head football coach at Michigan in 2022. Um, yeah. because he, he, I think he belongs in professional football. Like he gave it the old college try at Michigan, but I think that he just, he doesn't have the ability one to adapt to the most modern era of college football and two, to truly motivate his team to get, to get up for rivalry games. Now, they don't yeah. have the players to beat Ohio State, so it doesn't matter how motivated I, that, they are for that that's game. That's where I disagree. I mean, 
I watched but a Michigan State team they, with Tyler O'Connor and Damian Terry beat maybe one of the most talented Ohio State teams ever. I understand Michigan not winning the majority of the games. Yes, because Ohio State probably has the best. Their, their fourth string are probably better than Michigan's, some of Michigan's first string. I get what you're saying there. It's not even competitive. That, that's where he, that's the problem. Like Penn State plays Ohio State competitive usually every single year. Michigan can't. That doesn't make any sense. I yeah, know and, that. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying, for Harbaugh, the fact that Harbaugh cannot consistently beat Michigan State with the rosters that he has compared to the rosters that Michigan State has at this moment tells me that he yeah. just – that Not, one, yeah. Mel Tucker on Saturday just – I said this already – completely outmaneuvered and outcoached Harbaugh by miles in every way. Mm-hmm. And two, um, he is – he just doesn't – have it in him to get that team motivated for Michigan state. He just, it's like the Michigan arrogance factor. Like they know that it's an important game, but deep down they really just can't find it within themselves to really get themselves up and ready for this rivalry game. And yeah, that Milton, is, I was go just going to say Milton, you saw it in his post game presser um, talking about Antoine Simmons, the Michigan arrogance was on display there too. It's from the top to the bottom. It's a program. Yeah, who is Antoine Simmons? Yeah, Antoine Simmons is the dude that just made 12 tackles that is from Ann Arbor that went to high school across the street from the big house and is was the guy that probably defensive made the defensive play of the game in the end zone, as Joe mentioned earlier. Maybe the um, worst play call ever by Josh Also, Dennis the right most there. predictable play call ever. Yeah, like, so bad. I mean, Wildcat, wild, first of all, if you watch the Central Michigan game last night, to all our listeners, Central Michigan tried to do a Wildcat on fourth and one, and I almost broke my TV in half. Almost broke, because I love the chips. My mom went to Central. I got a special affliction for the chips. Jim McElwain, if it goes through the headset, I, Mike Valeni was saying it this week, if a Wildcat call goes through your headset in 2020, you should be fired on the spot. I completely, it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. In Michigan, runs the wildcat with Milton anyways they have the threat why not keep the dude it doesn't make any sense he's their biggest run he's 6'5 240 pounds if you trust anyone to get a yard it should be that guy yeah the guy that's 6'5 240 pounds I mean that's true I mean, it's <laughs> I mean, Milton was pretty good too like I, I, well, I like he can't he can't be accurate more than 15 yards down the field though but at the same time, they never got him out of the pot. Like when he was out of the pocket, he was a problem running or throwing the football. Michigan didn't do that enough. And I, I, you looked at the bid noon kickoff, like they broke it down. There was no one really open downfield. Michigan State covered Michigan's wide receivers. I think Michigan State, Michigan's receiver depth is a story that I like. People are just downplaying that Nico Collins just walked off the pro. Like he, he's True. not part of the, like he was a very good player. They missed and, him. And, and like DPJ, I know the production wasn't there as how highly recruited he was. He still was a piece. Tariq Black, I know after all the injuries, wasn't the same player. But right, yeah, no, no crap. Ronnie Bell is not to have the same production when he's not protected by Donovan Peoples Jones, who's making big plays on the NFL level. And you got a Nico Collins guy who's a top three round projection at least. Like, I, I think that was the one thing Michigan fans and maybe Jim Harbaugh downplayed. But let's yeah, you're not going to win anything. You're not going to win anything with Sam Skrill and Roman Wilson. Let's be honest. Yeah. That, that's the end game. Yes, I would agree. But let's move on to Iowa. 
Iowa 0-2 blows a 17-point lead to Northwestern. I don't know how I feel about Northwestern. We'll talk about them a little bit later. Might be good, might be not. This Iowa team, a lot of off-season issues. Continue to have issues. One of the better players that's in DUI, OWI. I don't know what the description is, but he's driving under the influence. They throw the ball most out of the Big Ten. I think Eric put this in there. Yeah, that they is throw shocking. the ball. They've thrown the ball more times than any other team in the Big Ten through two weeks. It's not it, an Iowa wild. brand. Not Iowa brand. And it has and it has not been successful if you look no. at the numbers. It and when watching the game against Northwestern as well, it, the passing attack for them, especially without Smith Marset, who they did have against Northwestern. Yes. Um, even I mean they got some talented receivers. Brandon Smith is pretty good. Smith Marset is obviously a stud, but the passing attack. It ain't looking great for Iowa, but they continue to throw the ball a lot, you know. I mean, and really that Northwestern game too. Iowa was up quick, 14-0, and then really nothing else happened for them offensively the rest of that game, other than the two field goals. But I mean, you looked at this. Iowa has three starting alignment and D linemen from State of Michigan. I mean, I it's actually kind of interesting. I feel like State of Michigan usually keeps doesn't not a lot of Iowa guys are in Michigan. Eh, Carl Davis went to Michigan from Stevenson. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud right now. But Iowa. It just it, – it feels – and I said this before to Stearns and Bach and Dandron. I don't know if Jared was on the show for this. It just feels kind of like Michigan State 3 and 9, where they have talent, but the team chemistry right now is not good. There, there's stuff going on in the locker room that none of us understand what's going on, and it's, it, it's affecting them on the field, which, which is not surprising. I will miss his Nate Stanley too. Like, yeah, but as much, I, I as hated much Nate flack Stanley. As he, he was so as much bad. Flack as, he, as much flack as he caught, he was fine. Very consistent. Like you knew what you were going to get. Now, Spencer, I don't even know how you say his last name. Spencer Petras. P- Petras. Petras. Okay. Yeah. I was, Petras. Sounds yeah, like I a point should, guard for Gonzaga. I probably should learn that before I broadcast the game Saturday. Um, he's just, you know, I mean, he's a California dude playing quarterback in Iowa. It's just like he this he was the backup last he was the backup last year. It's like I don't know. I mean he's got 480 passing yards in two games, which is the most by an Iowa QB in the opening two games since Jacob Rudock. I mean so he's put up decent numbers, but I don't know. He's also, if you watch I don't think he's the game. answer. I know it was week one. That Purdue game, Iowa looked horrible. And, and, and Purdue, did. without their head coach and without Rondale Moore, were able to move the ball down the field. Iowa made a lot of careless mistakes at the end of that game. I, It just looks like – and I have a feeling maybe this is fair. It's just like, hey, I'm going to wipe my hands clean after this year. Just move on. I don't know if he does that because I, – I, No, you don't think so? I, I Well, no, I think he's gone after this season for sure. Regardless of record, record, I think that's what happens. Yeah, I I mean, there's just too much going on over there. And I'll be honest, I haven't paid attention to it enough, probably as I should have. Three guys transferred in the last week. I mean, like you're losing guys, you're having off-the-field issues. I mean, mean, let's not beat around the bush. There's accusation of racially favoring white players at Iowa. That's just never – that's obviously not okay. And if that turns out to be the case, yeah, Farron should be gone. I, I don't. I, I knew some had something to do with their strength coach, I believe. Yeah, 
He's yeah, lost and the program. We, we, sh- we should say that they have had a thorough third a thorough third party review of conduct yes. of the program that was from outside of the university and they that conclusion the conclusion that that third party came to is that Ferenc should be able to keep his job if he wants to so we should mention that however yes that those types of accusations are don't, never unfounded yes. they don't come they don't get created out of nowhere so regardless of whether or not a third party determined whether or not Kirk Farron should keep his job. That doesn't change the fact that it's clear that the culture of Iowa is terrible and needs to be changed for, if for nothing else, for players to want to continue for black players to want to go to Iowa and two for, I mean, that's priority number one. And number two or way down the list is actually winning on the football field yeah. because without, with a crappy culture, you're not going to win. I mean, we saw that at Michigan state in 2016, as you mentioned, good players, crappy culture equals losses. Yeah. I, and we kind of talked about, I mean, Nathan, you said this, it, it, it could be come to earth game for Michigan state because I think they played almost a perfect game. And, and you could argue in that Michigan, Michigan state, Michigan state could have been up double digits early in that first half because they've truly outplayed Michigan. I thought the whole game, no fluke about it. I, I thought they were the better team. And I don't know if that's the case talent wise, but, and, and Iowa could finally kind of put it together. I, I just, we're going to talk about the line. The there's, I was still a touchdown favorite. Michigan state is coming in this game underdog, even as a one-on-one team who just beat Michigan on the road. I don't really see it personally. But I, I might be too close to it. I might be drinking the Rocky Lombardi. You, like, I, I might be all in on stuff that shouldn't matter. But I'm just – I don't know. I don't know. I just – I think it's going to become the earth theme for both teams. Agreed. Okay. Let's move on. Big 10. OSU covers against Penn State. I mean, Penn State, what a horrible start to that game for them. Literally down 14 nothing four minutes into the game. Can't have that. Jahan Dotson's good, though. Yes. Very good. Indiana 2-0. Bop, good prediction. I mean, Rutgers didn't look terrible. Did you see that play at the end of that game? Wild. Lateral? Yeah, I was watching that live. I don't know why it got overturned. I didn't have the volume on in my house. Did someone someone tip it when it was going back? No. The guy that went to the ground – um, they said it was a forward lateral um, when he tossed it, the receiver, and so they called it back. But it was it was a questionable overturn for sure. They should have just left it. That was so cool. And it was done by replay, too. It was not called yeah. on the field. Like, they called it a touchdown on the field, and replay came down and changed it. It was – the thing about the lateral rule is it, is it for it to not be a forward pass, it has to be clearly and obviously backward. So sideways equals forward in yeah. the eyes of the rule. So if it's not clearly and obviously backward, that's pro- you're probably going to be in trouble, which was kind of crappy because that was one of the most insane plays I've ever seen in a game. But it was insane. Um, anyway, but okay, Northwestern, another two and O team. They looked fine. I don't really believe in Peyton Ramsey. No offense to him. I'd rather have Michael Penix on Indiana than Peyton Ramsey. There's a reason he transferred from that program. Uh, good for Fitz. I love Pat Fitzgerald. He's a Fitz in the Big Ten. I hope he's coaching at Northwestern another 35 years. 
I I just I need Fitz on the sideline, still looking like he could play linebacker, saying go cats in the press conference for another 30 years. Good for them. I mean, they were terrible last year. I'm curious to see what they look against. Pretty good competition, but that's coming soon. And another thing in the Big Ten West, I mean, Wisconsin might not play the rest of the year. And there's been rumblings that they might just shut it down completely. Outbreak increases to 27 cases and counting. They cancel the Purdue game this year. I mean, this week. So that's two cancels on the year. I think they have one more left for, to be eligible for the Big Ten Championship. I think you have to play five games, be eligible to go to Indianapolis. Um, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen here. Not good. Just flat college, out not good. Yeah, college football, man. It's walking. There's a, it's a thin line. And yeah. Wisconsin, I mean, Wisconsin I mean, situation shows it. If you just look around the country, cases are going up. So this yeah. is going to happen in other places in the Big Ten, I think. It's just – only a matter of time. Move on to Miss Minnesota. Yeah. They stink. I mean, absolutely, completely blew that game. Blew that game against Maryland. I big game, I, by, I, big game I, by two his brother though. Yes, he played very well, very very well. He had, he made some really nice plays with his feet. He was able to get the ball out of the pocket. He 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 looked good. But I mean, Minnesota blew that game. They were up like ten with like four minutes left, and I got there and the game's tied. I got home. I was at Crunchy's, was watching the game, go back home, and the game's tied. I mean, that's – I mean, they completely blew that game. Minnesota's defense stinks. It's so bad. It is just horrific. Eh, I mean, whatever. Move on, bid pitcher. Did you – so Trevor's out Saturday against Notre Dame. Did you guys catch any of that Clemson-BC game? It was on at the same time as Michigan-Michigan State, so no. Yeah. I was wondering, maybe Joe in the press spots – Got a little extra TV action there at the big house. What's up? Sorry. Okay. As jo- Joe is leaving the show, as he no, I, I'm not. Not right now. When I might, when, we'll see. Just once okay, we'll Joe. Just right, and Joe, here. you have to butt into the middle of the show. And just be like, I'm leaving. You have to make your uh, like exit live on the show. Okay, I will make sure to do so. Make what it more. Make it more interesting. So your WWE asking- intro. He was asking whether or not the Clemson game was on in the press box on Saturday. Oh, no, I didn't see any of it, but BC should have won. That's all I know. Tessitore, his son played. Isn't he like the kicker? Shout out Joey Tess. He's the holder and the backup punter. And he drew some people off sides. Yeah. I did see that one. Big 12, looks like they're going to be out of the playoff. Good. I don't really care. I, I mean, you get Oklahoma in there every year and they lose by like 40. So cool. I, 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 I'm fine not seeing that game anymore. Oklahoma State was a fraud. The fact that yeah. they were ranked number six in the country was ridiculous. Made zero sense. This is also, I don't Texas is a weird situation right now with Tom Herman. I don't think he's getting heat from the Texas program, but like it shouldn't look like this way. What is it, year four? Yeah. Like it, it, it shouldn't look this way. I mean, Sam Ellinger is a good player, and they just, I, they just can never put it together. I'll never understand it with this program. Yeah, they always have guys that perform extremely well week in and week out, but it's not it's never a cohesive team performance from Texas. And that's been a staple of Tom Herman in his four years there. At 12 starts this week. I think Mountain West started when Bit 10 started. So we get some more late night games. Thank God for all your degenerates out there. They mm-hmm. announced it. They announced that only their 500 teams will be bowl eligible. Don't really get that. They're playing six games. That seems a little extreme to me. 
Um, Cal. They also Albright. did lose two bowl games. Two of yeah. their affiliated bowl games have said they're not playing. So that What's could it be called? a factor. The Holiday but, Bowl? Yeah. Holiday Bowl and something else. But, I mean, whatever. I, I Do you guys see anything else this Saturday that piqued your interest? No. I think Notre Dame, Notre Dame has a chance to assert themselves, to put themselves in the center of the playoff picture on Saturday night if they beat Clemson. And well, I think that the Irish – I don't know. We're going to pick this game later, so I'm not going to tip my hand as far as what I'm going to pick. But the opportunity for Notre Dame to make make it very difficult for them to be excluded from the playoff is is Saturday night in South Bend. Yeah. Well, the whole thing you have to consider, too, is how does the committee treat the whole Trevor Lawrence COVID situation? That's a variable that we have no past precedent on. I mean, if we're if just in the eye test, with Trevor Lawrence, Clemson is bar none, probably one of the three best, four best teams in the country. Notre Dame has not passed the eye test for me at all. They're winning, but they're not winning pretty, and they've won some stinkers. But by the same token, if they beat, if they go out and beat Clemson and they go to the ACC championship and win that, I don't know how you can keep them out, but at least for me, they have not looked good, not passed the eye test. A Notre Dame win over Clemson without Trevor is still very impressive in my mind. Yes. but It's less uh, impressive, obviously, if Trevor was playing. But at the same time, if Notre Dame wins Saturday night, even without Trevor, I think they deserve to be among the conversation as, as a top-four team in the country. I, I do. Think co- Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead, Joe. Co- COVID, is, COVID is something that every team has to deal with, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's got to come in. Like, I, mean, like, I mean, like you saw with Wisconsin, they lost their quarterback. Back. They're not even playing, so they're at a disadvantage. I feel like that's something we got to take into account too. Like Notre Dame has to deal with that as well. What if they lose the book? I don't know. That's. I think Clemson's also in a perfect spot though, because if they lose, they didn't have Trevor Lawrence. The committee's going to take that into account. Well, I do believe that these two teams will play each other again, though, at the end of the season. Is that a scenario? I believe that's a scenario. I think I heard that that these two could match up in the ACC championship game just the way the conference is aligned this year. I, 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 I don't I, – I could be wrong about that, but I, I could have sworn I heard Mike Rola Jr. talking about that. Maybe North Carolina sneaks back into the picture. I don't think they're as good as people thought. Maybe they were earlier in the year. But, yeah, I mean, ACC, it's nice that Clemson has another team to play this year because with Miami being down, Virginia Tech not being what Virginia Tech has been, and North Carolina is kind of starting to come into their own – I mean, Clemson, it's been a cakewalk for Clemson the last three years. It's set, like they, and I think you might see that in the Big Ten this year, obviously, with Ohio State. They have no, maybe they don't have any challengers this year, but it's nice to see some sort of parody in the ACC. But here's a, course, a random stat that I saw about Ohio State that is relevant to this podcast Justin Fields, since he's been the starting quarterback, has thrown one interception at Ohio that's State. Insane. And that interception. Josiah Scott by a man that by the name of Josiah Scott last year. People forget Columbus. Michigan State literally shot themselves in the foot and were in that game in Columbus in the first half. Yeah, I mean they wouldn't have won probably, but it no, they won it. They weren't good enough, but but you're Michigan, right. I, I, I think last year is probably this is like really off topic, but it, I mean. <laughs> Mark D'Antonio's probably worst coaching job because I think after Arizona State and Ohio State, the team just kind of gave up because I do think they were a good team. Like, I, I I stand by that. Their offensive line wasn't great, but that defense was elite. I don't know. 
I am not. Well, Should have won the Arizona State game. Yeah, completely sure. blew it. Completely blew it. Yeah. But whatever. Let's move on. Let's give out our awards, the SRZ Awards of the Week. First off, as we play Iowa, Michigan State plays. I don't know why I said we. That's just a journalism no, no, no. Joanne's going to be <laughs> very disappointed if she listens to this. But SRZ, Marvin McNutt Memorial. Off, Marvin McNutt Offensive Player of the Week. I, I, Eric Bobcast is in the thing. I have this too. I, I don't know how you don't have anyone else. Ricky White. I mean, Trey Mosley goes down with injury, steps in, and everyone joining. Is Cody White still there? I, I bet every dad is like, I thought Cody White went to the NFL. What's going Same on? Same number too. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, Ricky White, fantastic. Wasn't that he was just wide open and stuff? He made some big time catches, big time catches. Should really grow the hand strength. Ricky White's my Marvin McNutt Offensive Player of the Week. For me, he's also mine. Oh, sorry. Um, for me, I had Devonta Smith, the receiver for Alabama. Huge game. He absolutely just tore through Mississippi State's defense. He had 11 catches, 203 yards, and four touchdowns, which is a Madden stat line. Rather, that doesn't even seem like it could be real life. And that Alabama team just looks more and more impressive as the weeks go on. How go. does how what is wrong with Mike Leach's offense? I don't know, dude. They're not. They've they're scored so like bad. seven points in two weeks. So bad. That's like really, really bad. I mean, and players are starting to transfer now too. Yeah. I don't know. Trouble in the water in Stark Vegas. Anyway. It's hard to be good at Mississippi State. I think people yeah. took for granted how good Dan Mullen was in Mississippi State. Stearns, who'd you got this week? I'm gonna take Vincent Gray. For oh the soul. That's that not nice. Come on. I, come on. It's not nice, but it's true. Throughout that entire game, he was Michigan State's best offense. Okay, I think it was on the second on. or third drive of the game, and he got two or three penalties called on him, extending drive penalties in the fir- in, during that series. I mean, between the double moves from Wiki Wright and just he was grabbing one. I mean, these weren't just little hand check pokes. I mean, Short of throwing him to the ground and sitting on top of him, he was doing everything else in the book. I mean, That's at times nice. he was barred on Michigan State. All you had to do was, hey, Ricky, go deep. Rocky, I'm, you know, Rocky's going to throw it. Just try to run past Gray and he'll do the rest. That was <laughs> a lot of Michigan State's offense. Tell me Roger, where I'm wrong. Tell me where I, I'm wrong. You're not wrong, but I, th- I think it's mean in principle. Yeah. I think it's a little mean. Come, I know Stern's the then guy Jim who Harbaugh. said and about 80 times last week. Yes, Jim I did Harbaugh say because I do hate Michigan. Sorry, I'm Jim not going to lie to audacity. Uh, Harbaugh has the audacity to then complain about the officials after the game or yeah, in his press was... conference. I mean, it's not like the officials were nitpicking them. I mean, these are clear and obvious defensive yeah. pass interference and defensive hold. It's not like they're like, you know, going fishing for a booger. They're, I thought the fishing. Was good. As we say in the uh, in the officiating world, don't don't pick a booger. So he. I like that. I like that comment a lot, even though it's a little gross. I like it a lot. Well, because you say you don't want to pick a booger and get the small stuff. You only want to get the big stuff. But so um, or, so you want to pick a booger if it's there's a lot in the nose. Is that what you're saying? You you don't want to pick a booger ever. Oh okay okay, okay. so but they but they weren't. I mean these were obvious obvious defensive holds and pass interference on Michigan and had to be called I mean Vincent Gray and Jamon Green in the other corner 
gave the officials no choice but to throw their flag multiple times. Yeah, they I mean, struggled. Joe Dandron, who you got? One second. I One got second. Nick Starkle, San Jose State, four six. Former Texas A and M guy. Yep. Former then former Arkansas guy. Five passing touchdowns. No, I like it. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. I like that. Oh, yeah. Okay, move on to the defensive side of the football. The Adrian Claiborne SRZ Defensive Player of the Week. I'm going to give my boy Talon Durbin some love this week. I'm sticking with MSU because that was the only game I really watched on Saturday. I'm not going to lie to the listeners because after that, things got a little hazy. Not going to (laughs) lie. But, I mean, Talon Durbin, I have said he's stunk. I've said he's been bad. I think he's overrated. He played really, really well on Saturday, and I think he should get some credit. Mel Tucker for me, enough said. There you go. I mean, all the all the pictures after the game of him with Paul Bunyan, and he's just an absolute unit of a man. We're on and the defensive just, player of the week. That's our Nets award. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I gave away my Joey Ellis Memorial Frame of the Week. That's all so right. You can skip me when we come back. I'll just I'll just shut up after this. Antoine Simmons, eleven tackles, got dissed in the post game and said Polly B is back with us. So who cares? Um Antoine Simmons. All right, I'm out for this segment. I went well, a little bit of a different direction just because I didn't want to give too much MSU flavor. And I went with Nicobe Dean and Richard LeCount, who were phenomenal for that Georgia defense. Dean had 14 tackles, LeCount 13 tackles combined for 27. And they made Kentucky's offense look horrific. That was an ugly game for Georgia. We can talk about it a little bit later. But my God. Those two were around the ball, stopping the Kentucky run game, the Kentucky passing game. They were sensational. Jared. Me, I had um, Brandon Joseph, the redshirt freshman for uh, Northwestern. Cornerback, he had seven tackles and two interceptions, including a key one in the fourth. He, he was a huge playmaker and kind of swung that game for Northwestern in their comeback. Andrew, you had, you had Simmons too, right? Yeah, I had Simmons for frame and defensive player. Why frame? Give me your reason for frame. Because of the Pauly B is back with us quote. That was iconic. Antoine Simmons is always a great, great press conference guy. Yeah, he's he's awesome. Really, you know, just just incredible whenever he's in a press conference. It's hilarious. So and he had a great game. Yeah. Also, his afro is really dope, too. It is a good afro. He does have a good afro. I he, did he used to wear glasses like in his helmet? No, I, no, nah. I thought he might have. No, who did? Wear, no, who does wear goggles? Bryce Berenger. He's my unit of the week. Shout out Joey Ellis for more of the unit of the week. Gotta give my my boy Bryce some love. Net average of fifty something. Top ten in the country. Kid got cut from the team twice at Michigan State. Transferred from Illinois. Wasn't even playing football for a semester. Shout out my boy Bryce. Yeah, my former. Employee in the MSU Recreational Sports and Fitness Services Department in intramural sports, Bryce Berenger, former flag football referee, um, very average flag football referee, very above average Big Ten punter. So we'll take it. Shout out, B man, Joe Dandron. What? I what said who do you who do you have for? Wait, you said Antoine Simmons. I'm an idiot, Jared. Who do you have for you in a week? I had – I'm going to stick with MSU because they're winning. I mean, this is just – I mean, that, let's be honest. None of us watch any other game than MSU game. It was a great game. I had to watch mm-hmm. it. 
And uh, I'm going to go with Ricky White and Jaden Reed. The um, video of them celebrating in the locker room after Slick was amazing. Rick. Yeah, this is my boy <laughs> Slick Rick. Everyone knows his name now. Great quote from Jaden Reed. And Ricky White was there, just happiest person in the world. It was it was just a perfect moment. There you go. Stearns. And I went with the remaining Michigan fans who continue to support Harbaugh because the <laughs> utter delusion that permeates through the I've seen less, and it's a good sight when you see less and less and less people defend this man. But for the few staunch supporters that are out, it's like a cult. I mean, oh my goodness, what else can you say? It was hilarious. I, so, now, this is probably me to me. After the game, I'm, I'm actually on the Michigan Twitter page and I'm just scrolling through the replies and of course you had the fire Harbaugh's Don Brown stuck in the 1970s and then you had people blaming the officiating and injuries and it's like you gotta be kidding me like can you not admit that this guy does anything wrong whatsoever at this point you just have to laugh you can't even get mad you just have to laugh because it's a joke <laughs> the pure joy Nathan Stern's takes of Jim Harbaugh's failures is quite the that the, rest at the, us, end. the rest of us are just pro MSU in these awards. Stearns is just anti-Michigan. Like <laughs> Vincent Gray as the offensive player of the week. <laughs> Cackling We're going to own him. this loss. That was my favorite post-game quote. It's like, Jim Bob, we've heard this the last five years when you, get, when you lose to LSU or when you lose to Ohio State. I'm sorry. When you had Devin Bush, Rashawn Gary, Mohurst, Chase Winovich, Fort offensive lineman who went pro Bredesen Ruiz it's like during the height of like 2015 when he first got there and they had arguably more talent NFL with Brady hoax players exact but still still they it just oh my god I could go so many different directions but I'm just so happy right now so and so it, happy and it with was that pretty funny. With, with that Collins I'm making I'm, I'm cutting it. it I'm butting in yeah I'm leaving Okay, lead, lead, okay, we we the will lead end. grows, the lead grows. Okay, you gotta put the pitch in. You didn't put the pitch records from last week in the dock. You well, no, do I that. didn't know that's that. That's well, I didn't know it was my job. I, I get what what do you think we were doing before the show? But okay, Joe Dandron is leaving <laughs> the show. We t- type I, out your pits into the dock and we all know. They already typed in. You. Give me Notre Dame, NBC 737. Okay, give me Notre Dame. There you go. There you go. Joe Dandron with a dramatic I was going to say dramatic entrance since I got Bachelor on my mind for the night. What was it? Dramatic no. outro? I don't know. Is that the, is that would that be the correct word? But pick them. Time to do the pick them. Joe Danger did not do his job, but I mean, we'll just look at the week three records. This is only week three. Okay. No, I no, don't. That, know what I just it put is. that for me since I only picked for week. Three. Okay, so shout out to our guest picker Jared, who's going to be more of a permanent member of the show. Looks like. Jared went three and one last week. Pretty solid. Pretty solid. I don't have all the records in front of us. We'll update it next week. But I'll tell you, all of us had Michigan State and all of us had Ohio State. So we at least got two wins. I think I was also three and one last week. We did pretty well. I think I lost we did five games. Yeah. Okay, well then I think the only one that I lost was Georgia because I had Oklahoma we had Oklahoma State, which I had Texas. Yeah. Michigan State, Ohio State. I lost the Georgia Kentucky game and I can't remember what the fifth game was, but anyway, we got a full slate this week. So we got to get rolling full slate Friday night. We'll start off 
Probably one of the best mid-major games in America this year. Number nine, BYU, led by Zach Wilson, Mormon Manziel, minus three at the Blue Turf, 945 SS, FS1. I've been a big BYU guy this whole year because they were one of the first teams to start playing. They made a statement against Navy week one. I love Zach Wilson. Give me BYU to cover minus three. I think he's legit. BYU has been playing for a lot longer than Boise State. Boise State's ranked, but has only played two games, and I'm with Hugh Collins. BYU is very good in my mind and will easily cover three on the blue turf. I like how you guys. Nathan Uh-oh. Stearns with a little – we'll move the Jared Ramsey as Nathan really Stearns bad. has some connective problems. Oh, wait. Is he back? Is J- and Nathan Stearns is back. Nathan, you cut out there for a second. Can you give us your pick? Yeah, no, give me BYU. For me, they were I, – I, I put under my own individual doc, same thing. BYU's played seven games. BYU – or no, BYU's played seven games. Boise State's only played two. But between Dax Mill and Zach Wilson, who's thrown 19 touchdowns to two interceptions, that's a Justin Fields-esque stat line. I'm going to take BYU as well. He's a pro. Zach Wilson's a pro. Jared. Yeah, I think Zach Wilson's the top three quarterback in the country this year, along with Fields and Lawrence. And he's been proving it that one of the throws last week on the move, like 60 yards downfield, is probably the best throw of all year. But I'm going to I'm gonna actually fade your guys' pick. I'm going to take BYU – or Boise State. Um, I'm mainly just because of the blue field and crazy crazy stuff happens um, at the blue field on week weekdays. We saw it when – um, Boise State got upset by Nevada a while back. Um, LeGarrette Blount punching an Oregon guy in the face. Yeah, that happened just, on a Friday night. Yeah, it's just crazy. Crazy stuff can, always happens on that blue field. So I'm just going to – I'm going to pick the upset. I'm going to go with Boise State. Okay, Joe Dandron said he put his pits in there. Didn't put his pits in for the state. So I'm just going to give one. Joe Dandron Boise because I know Joe Dandron and yep. he would have wanted to fade us. So Joe gets Boise State. We move on to Michigan, number 23, going to Indiana, number 13 in the country. Whatever thought Indiana was ranked higher than Michigan this season. Michigan is favored three and a half. Noon kick on FS1. Joe Dandron took Indiana. And guess what? I'm going to take Michigan. This is a classic hardball spot where they get right and they blow out an Indiana team that can't beat Michigan. They haven't beat them since, like, what, 86 84 it's like it's been 33 years something like that i don't do math guess what indiana's not beating michigan michigan's in a hammer indiana this week you think yes hmm. yes right. this is um, a hardball get right they win the rest of their games get hammered by penn state get hammered by ohio state that's what michigan does i mm, this is so hard um i'm gonna pick I'm I'm gonna pick Indiana because okay. I I went against my gut the last time we were faced with a tough Indiana line and got burned because of it. So fool me once, but not fool me twice. I think Indiana. I don't even know if Indiana's gonna win the game, but I think they might cover three and a half. Yeah, so, that's fair. Give me the Hoosiers, Jared. I think- oh, I I'm gonna I'm on Michigan too. I. This is definitely the heart a hardball game where he um, beats up on a team after a devastating loss. Um, so I think Michigan should be able to win this one, even though Indiana has looked like one of the best teams in the Big Ten so far. Stearns, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I just wanted to save the Michigan pick last for you. So you can give me your hardball rant. 
No, I'm not. I'm not going to rain on Hard Rock. I feel like I've done that enough. I'm going to split the difference, and I'm going to go with Indiana. Records go out the window in 2020. Let's be completely honest. With the way this college football season has been, there's no historical precedent. I can't see Michigan State beating Indiana in a couple weeks, and Michigan State has traditionally beaten the crap out of Indiana. So give me Michigan or give me Indiana to win. Okay. Okay. Staying in the Big Ten, Penn State unranked as the Maryland Turpins go into the fake Stefan Diggs not shaking their hand rivalry game that Randy Etzel wanted to start their first year in the Big Ten. Plus 25, 330 BTN. Uh, I'll start with Eric because I, I want to think about this fit for a little bit. Oh, good. So just throw it to me. Yes. Um, I think I, I like Penn State to win this game, but I think 25 is too big of a number for me. I okay. think that Maryland covers 25, but Penn State wins the game by – two touchdowns yeah I'm with I'm with Eric on that one I think I think Penn State should be able to easily win this game but I don't think it'll be more than 25 so I'm gonna I'm gonna go on Maryland if you're all other than Ohio State in the Big Ten I'm never gonna pick a team to beat another team by 25 that is a big 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 number Clifford did look better against Ohio State I will give him that 18 to 30 281 passing yards three touchdown one pick 25 is a big, big line for a Maryland team that showed a lot of resiliency. I know Minnesota's bad, but regardless, when you're down 17 points and you find a way to come back and win, that's impressive. Give me the Nittany Lions. And I, I'm not doing hey, it just you're... to fa- not, not just doing it to fade you guys. The, Penn State has one or two games on the Big Ten schedule where they win by like 50. They, they have one or two of these a year. They're 0-2 right now. The offense actually did look good against Ohio State. They were able to move the football. They just got off to such a bad start. They were never really able to recover. The only way you're going to beat Ohio State with that offense is if you're able to beat them in a shootout or if you're going to win a turnover battle by, like, six. And they weren't able to do either of that thing, so they weren't able to catch up. I still think Penn State's pretty good. I think they're superior talent. I think they're going to be able to score a touchdown on every single drive this week. I think they hammer Maryland this week. I think Maryland's defense is so bad. So I, I think Penn State will be able to get enough stops to cover that 25-point spread. Moves staying in the Big Ten. Nebraska plus four. Had the week off as they head to Evanston. Whew. Sleepy Evanston noon BTN. This is probably the most normal it is for teams without fans in the stands in Evanston, Illinois. Northwestern 2-0. Nebraska 0-1. Kind of had a bye week because they didn't have to play Wisconsin due to COVID. I'll start. I love Nebraska on this spot. I think Nebraska is the one outright. I think they're better than Northwestern. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I The listeners of the show last week heard me rant about Everyone Nebraska, hates Nebraska. No one cares, but I think they're better. I than just you. think Northwestern, they, they haven't played anybody good yet. They played Maryland and had a nice comeback win at Iowa, but we're really going to find out this weekend how good Iowa is. And um, – I think that Nebraska probably does win outright. Scott Frost needs this game. He needs it. And um, I think the Huskers find a way to get it done. I'm going to go in a different direction. Give me Northwestern. I just, I I, I haven't seen enough from Nebraska. I don't know what to think. I mean, you're the only game they played was against Ohio state and they got embarrassed as everybody thought. And no, I know Northwestern didn't look especially good against Iowa, but, I got to go with them until they lose, until they prove that they can't 
deliver. I mean, what was the team that Nebraska wasn't able to schedule? Was it Campbell or something like Tennessee, that? Tennessee, Chattanooga. Um, Chattanooga. Yeah, I knew it started with a C. So I'm going to go Northwestern barely. I just – Nebraska's such an enigma. They really are. I'm going to go with Nebraska on this one. I, I think the two weeks of preparation will be huge for them. Um, one of the only teams in the Big Ten this year that will get a bye week unless Wisconsin's able to come back. And I, I agree that Scott Frost absolutely needs this game or else the fire under his ass is going to be so hot. And so I'm going to go Nebraska, and I think they win it outright. Okay. I like that pick, Jared. Move on to the SEC. Biggest cocktail party in the South, whatever it's called. Not this year, just COVID. Number eight, Florida, plus three and a half. Facing number five, Georgia Bulldogs in Jacksonville, 330 on CBS. I'll start us off. Love Florida. Love Florida. Love Florida. I don't think Georgia can score with Florida. And I'm not even saying – and I, I, I've been really positive about Kyle Trask. I don't think he's, like, generational or anything like that or just even, like, a really, really good quarterback in SEC. I think he's serviceable. But they have a lot of weapons, and they move the football. Dan Mullen is a very good football coach. You saw him get a $25,000 fine last week because he basically was trying to fight the Missouri team because his team got into a little brawl there. I kind of love that. I kind of I, I feel like the team likes that too. So give me Florida this week. They're, to, they're playing for their coach this week. They love it. I love, I love Florida, not because I think that Florida's, Florida's a good football team, but Georgia offensively, is Yuck. bad. Stetson Bennett is not the guy. Um, Georgia's defense will keep him in it, but I think that Florida is going to win this football game, which means they're going to they're three and a half point underdogs. So I would say that Florida's going to cover that. Let's go three for three with Florida. Stetson Bennett. I know I just said an enigma, but he's an enigma. Seven touchdowns, five interceptions on the year. Between, between Kyle Pitts and Trask, I got to go with Florida. I just think top down, at least on paper, their weapons beat Georgia's weapons every day of the week. I'm going to I'm gonna have to fade you guys. I think Georgia yeah. is going to win this Smart game. move. Yeah, um, Georgia's guaranteed to win now that the four of us. This is how Joe Dandron won the pick on last year, if people yeah. don't remember that. Yeah, they uh, – I just still think they have the best defense in the country, even though they got lit up by Alabama. I think that was more of a testament to Alabama's offense rather than Georgia's defense. So I, th- I think this game is going to be di- disgusting, low scoring, because as you guys said, Stetson Bennett is not a good quarterback. Um, but I think I think they'll be able to squeak it out and cover three and a half. Okay, okay. Move on. Pat 12, first Pat 12 game on SRZ Pickham finally this year. Stanford. Plus 11 as they go to Eugene, number 12, Oregon, 730 ABC. Who's starting quarterback for Oregon? Can someone tell me? Well, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you, so that's why I was going to pick Stanford. (laughs) I was was wondering if maybe you guys knew anything about that, but I I have no idea. Uh, I know nothing about these two teams. And I, I, I'll take the points when I know nothing about the two teams. I know something, though. Oregon will have a good defense, and Stanford usually has a good defense. So take the under. So, I just, so you're, you're picking – I'm picking I'm picking Stanford plus 11. But if I, 
if I if I actually had to put live bullets on it, I would probably take the under because this like people associate Oregon with high flying offense. If you watch from the past two years, that's not who they are anymore. They're a smash mouth team with really good defense with Mario Cristobal. Yeah, I just looked it up in Oregon. It said that Oregon's not going to name a starter before the opener. That's so never that's, good. Yeah, um, we know from the experiences that's not a good sign. Oregon wins, they don't cover. Okay, I think that four and eight year for Shaw was an anomaly, but between C.J. Verdell and Johnny Johnson the third, maybe the best name in college football. I think Oregon wins by seven or ten, but I don't think they cover. Johnny Johnson the third, I've never heard that name. Stearns, you're right. That might be the best name in college. This football. line has gone down to nine too. It was plus eleven. Now it's Stanford plus nine. So I'm I don't still know taking, if that changes taking, anyone's mind. Still taking Stanford. <sighs> God. That changes my mind. Changes my mind. I'm going ducks now that it's nine. I think that it's somebody knows something. I, Oregon, you know, they're not the Marcus Mario to Oregon of old, but they can still score points in bunches. So I think the ducks. I, I don't know are if they can though. This. They like their defense is legit, legit. Like their defense, they have some dudes on that defensive side of the football. I think they have a former number one recruit who's a sophomore this year on that defensive line. They got. Uh, I don't know. I And like you said, Stearns, I kind of believe in David Shaw. Even though he plays the most conservative style of football ever and might be boring and stuff, he usually gets results. I think they'll have a bounce back year. And in Oregon's first game with a new quarterback not named Justin Herbert, I think they struggle a little bit. That's why I'm sticking with Stanford at plus nine. So so Collins and Stearns went Stanford, right? No, Stearns flipped. I'm going back Oregon. Oh, okay. Jared took Stanford, right? Oh, gotcha. I haven't made my pick on this game yet. You haven't made your pick. Well, I mean, Jared, you got to be more oh. assertive. What do you um, got? I, I mean, like you guys said, we don't know much about these teams they haven't played. Oregon's two best players from last year, Herbert and Penny, so well aren't on the team this year. So who knows what their offense is going to be. But I just think Oregon is returning a lot more talent than Stanford, so I'm going to go with Oregon. Okay, fair, fair. Collins, you're alone on a couple different ones this week. Well, I, 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 I like Stanford. I, I, I don't know what it is. I think nine's too much, and especially in the first team. It, I, I think Stanford will show out. We'll move on. ACC, biggest game of the week. Number one, Clemson. I believe number three, Notre Dame. It's not an adopter. I think they're number three in the country. Number four. I'm number sorry. Number four in the I, country. I excuse to, me. Clemson minus that. five and a half. Playing at the Golden Domers. Playing in South Bend. They got it's the students still. They still got the students there, right? I think the students are still in the stands, right? Uh, a limited number. And the line is not five and a half. It's now five for what it's worth. Yes, sir. So five. Clemson minus five. I'm going to take Clemson. You're, you're, you're never really going to get Clemson at a value under a touchdown ever. And, and I understand this is against a very good Notre Dame team in South Bend, but it's not really a road game anymore. I the turnovers that Clemson had last week, if you looked at the highlights, Travis Etienne was literally running into a touchdown to tie the game, and they fought, it was a fumble sits for BC, and then BC made a total big plays on offense. That was really fluky. I think the new freshman quarterback, the really talented guy, he shows up this week, and they roll, and it's Notre Dame. Notre Dame hasn't looked good all year. And I'm an Ian Book guy. I think they'll be able to move the football a little bit because I think Clemson's secondary has had a little bit of holes in it. I just think Clemson is too much. And I'm going to take Clemson every single time they're under a touchdown. I'm right there with you. Took the words right out of my mouth. Doesn't matter. 
Notre Dame, I said earlier in the show, has a chance to prove they belong, and Saturday night will prove that they do not belong in the playoff conversation. Without Trevor, Clemson's got dudes everywhere. Yes. Even without him. Clemson. What's the, I, 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 I say the freshman quarterback. What's his name? Is it DJ Ungalaley? I think that was That's right. That's it. Ungalaley. Ungalaley. Um, he's huge. So he's, I think that anytime you said it, you nailed it, Collins. Clemson, anytime it's under a touchdown, you got to go with the Tigers, even though they didn't cover last week. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I'm going Tigers all day long. No brainer. Yeah. I'm right there with you. Um, this line, I, I think it's too low. I, Clemson's talent is can only be matched by Alabama, in my opinion, um, and Ohio State. Um, and I think they're just going to show their dominance on both sides of the ball. I think they're going to change their offense th- this week and to um, compliment um, DJ. I'm not even going to attempt to say his last name and embarrass myself. Andrew Whaley. I'm just going to say that's what it is. Not trying to disrespect um, the kid. I think they're going to go to a more power um, running out of the spread, um, which complements his six six frame. Um, they went to it in the second half um, against BC, and it started to work. So I think they're going to just pound the ball down Notre Dame's throat and take the game easily. I'm going to go in a different direction. It's my turn to make the not popular pick. They did not pass the eye test without Lawrence last week. And between having Scalzi, Davis, and Jones Jr. out on the defensive side of the ball as well, I if if you're Notre Dame, your game plan comes down to this. You put nine in the box and you don't let ETN kill you. Okay. You make the freshman quarterback. I'm not going to attempt to say his last name either because I'm going to look like an idiot. You make him beat you outside. You make him beat you on the perimeter. And this isn't just losing a quarterback. This is losing a Heisman Trophy winner, the number one overall pick in the draft. I think everybody's underestimating just how much Lawrence means to this team. Not saying there's still a very, very good team without him, but so is Notre Dame. And in the short times during Lawrence's career, when he's not been in the game, they've looked very suspect. Clemson has looked mortal. So give me Notre Dame to win outright. Okay. I, I like that. I like that. Stearns. You're with Dandron on that one, Stearns. You're not yes. alone there. Dandron is with you on the Irish. So, oh, Dandron just changed his pick from Boise State to BYU in the duck, too. There you go. Shout out Joe. He's and or Joe took Oregon. He took Florida. He took Northwestern, and he took Maryland. If anyone was checking with the pits, pick them leader JD is up to. Uh, that that's what he was doing in the dock as we were doing this live on the pod. So we'll move on to the biggest game for our listeners, Michigan State plus six and a half in Iowa City against the Hawkeyes, noon ESPN. I'm praying this is a Beth Mowens game because if you watch it bid 10. It's not. Lo- it's not? No. Bob was shoes in D- Dan Orlovsky game, though. Ooh, okay, that's fine. Bob was Bob's shoes is a bid 10 guy. Beth Mowens, bid 10 gal. And when I, when I think of the Big Ten, I think of Beth Mullins, Bob Wachusa, especially for, like, those Wisconsin-Minnesota basketball games. I feel like Bob Wachusa has done every single Wisconsin basketball game in the last 15 years. Could be wrong about that. And a little Sean McDonough action for, like, the 330 Big Ten game. I don't know. I'm rambling again. But Michigan State plus six and a half. I th- I, me and Stearns kind of hinted at this a little bit earlier. I think it's way too big. And – this is a stupid meatball fan thing. Rocky Lombardi grew up like what 50 miles away from Iowa City. Clive, Iowa. Yeah, this is a big game for him. 
I I do think Michigan State comes down to earth. I don't know if I like him outright or some. I, I think this is a close football game, and, and I just think six and a half is way too many points for an Iowa team that is struggling on the field and off the field. Yeah, that's an easy one for me. Uh, six and a half is way too much. I think Michigan State wins this one outright. I was in a bad place right now as a program, and if it was somebody better than Iowa, and I would probably not pick Michigan State just because, as Stearns hinted or said earlier in the show, the only thing you can expect is the unexpected, right? And yeah. um, and I just think that the opponent this week, this will be a good test for Mel Tucker. Mark D'Antonio's teams were seven and one post Michigan victory. And see if, see if Tucker can keep that trend up of not having a Michigan hangover. I think based on the improvement from week one to week two in Mel Tucker and the entire team, I think that they will not, they will not have a Michigan hangover. And I think Michigan state easily covers six and a half and wins outright by about a touchdown. Okay. I, I mean, Hey, I'll, you can get, there, there'd be like plus 200 and sports boats plus one fifty. I mean, you can get that bet, take it. I don't hate it. I don't hate that pit, Bob. If Michigan State plays like they did against Michigan, they're going to beat Iowa by 20. So I'm not expecting that to happen. But they can suffer a little bit of a hangover and still be an Iowa team that I think is in disrepair. I've said it last week and I said it the week before. You can't beat other teams when you're fighting amongst yourselves. If you don't have an identity as a team, Okay, and if you don't have every member on that team working toward the same common goal, you're not going to beat anybody. It's the first rule of tactical warfare. If you're fighting among yourselves and you can't get on the same military strategy, how are you going to beat anybody else? So I think the infighting, I'm with Joe. I think this is Ferentz's probably his last year. And Iowa never beats anybody by six and a half or seven. They're always, it's always a three or six point game. They beat. They lost to Purdue by four. They lost to Northwestern by one. They always get these ugly rock fight games. This is a game I think State might win by three or seven, but I do think Michigan State ekes this one out in an ugly game at Kinnick. Yeah, I I definitely agree that this game is going to be ugly. I think Iowa's going to sell out to stop the deep pass, and MSU's going to try to run the ball, which could be problematic for them. Um, But I think MSU should be able to win this game, and so I'm going to take them to cover. Um, I think I was the worst team in the Big Ten this year, and I don't. Ooh, I don't, wow. I don't it's them or Nebraska for me. Whoa, that's even Illinois. But I just, I just don't, I don't like Iowa's team at all. I watched some of that Northwestern game last week, and it was, it was probably one of the ugliest games of football I've seen. So I'm not, I'm gonna go with MSU. I'll say this: Iowa every maybe twice a year puts out maybe two of the worst performances in college football history. The Michigan Iowa game last year is till this day is the worst football game I've ever watched in my entire life. It was just gouging my eyes out just watching that football game, watching Nate Stanley and Shea Patterson just make mistake after mistake. But I, I as we talked about this game a little bit more, just didn't really deep dive early. So so you guys think this Michigan State team is more like the team that played last weekend in Ann Arbor? than the team that played in East Lansing. You, you don't think I it's do. straight yeah, down the middle. You think it's more 65% that team in Ann Arbor than more than 35% is the team that played in East Lansing against Rutgers? Seven turnovers is an anomaly. Yeah. Seven turnovers is an anomaly that won't ever happen again. 
and okay. Michigan State wins wins against Rutgers with even three less turnovers. So I think that when they they really preach ball security, they they cleaned up the turnovers. They're not going to play as well as they played on Saturday in Ann Arbor, but they are more like that team than they are the team we saw in Week One. Okay, I think that defense... I, what did I always say? I said that a good team would have beat Michigan State Week One by thirty. By 25. The fact that they were going into the fourth quarter with a chance to win, despite constant, constant mental mistakes, turning the ball over in the red zone multiple times now. If they don't turn the ball over more than one or two teams against Iowa, they're a respectable team. Nothing to write home about, but definitely a team that can scare you if you don't pay them the proper attention. I think the defensive performance from last week is what fans should expect to see from MSU going forward. I think it was a lot more sound than week one. And I think um, between Scotty Hazleton and Mel Tucker, I think that unit's going to be prepared. So I think on at least that side of the ball, defense is going to look a lot like the Michigan game going forward. Offensively, I still think that they're going to try to establish the run, even though it hasn't worked for them through two games, which could be a detriment. Um, but if that gets going, I think the offense opens up a lot for Lombardi, and they can be even better than they were at Michigan. But it really just depends on the offensive line's performance going forward. I, I'm i curious. To see, do you guys think they can run the football? Because they didn't really run the football last weekend in Ann Arbor. They broke one with Simmons early. Connor Hayward had a nice couple, like, five or six-yard runs. You didn't really see it consistent, or every once in a while you wouldn't see, like, a 15-yard run. Yeah. If they're able to run the football against Iowa, that that's a like a noticeable thing that opens up this offense a little bit more. Because I, I think the pass game is always going to be there for them because they just have really talented wide receivers, and it's kind of hard to match up three secondary guys in college football who are able to match the talent that Michigan has on Michigan State has on the outside, especially in the Big Ten. I if they can run the football, I think that just opens up the offense. And I know that's a classic cliche but i i think that i the last thing i wanted to ask you guys about this michigan state team i think the defense is here to stay i thought the defense was legit they looked legit against michigan do you do you think you see a similar performance against iowa because the only reason this line looks the way it does is because vegas thinks michigan state's defense and offense won't be able to replicate the performance i think the defense could replicate it i don't know about the offense Yeah, I think the, the the defense will be able to because they are overall the stronger unit. I was going to watch the film of the Michigan Michigan State game and adjust accordingly. So Michigan State offensively is going to have to make some adjustments. They're not going to just be able to chuck it up there to Ricky White because Iowa is not going to Don Brown and play man-to-man coverage 95% of the time. And – they're, I mean, they're going to play different zones. They're going to throw different coverages at Rocky Lombardi. So um, I think the defense is who they are, who they showed to be on Saturday. And the offense will be interesting to see if they can make the necessary adjustments to continue to have success. MSU's defense wasn't bad against Rutgers either. I think by and large, they're a good unit. They're not, you know, typical top tier Mark D'Antonio when he was here last year and the year before, they're never going to reach that height this year. But they are a good defensive unit. They did a relatively good job. I can really only think of two drives where Rutgers went the length of the field both times. 
So between that defensive line and Jacob Tanishuk, and they have good linebackers with Harvey and Simmons. And if you see anything resembling how Kalon Gervin played last week and Shakir Brown continuing to get better, I think they're solid. I don't think they're going to play as well as they did against Michigan every game, but they definitely are going to be a respectable unit. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think it's for the defense. I think it's on the secondary because um, the front seven – has proven guys uh, at every position, um, and they're gonna they were consistent against Rutgers. Um, they were even better against Michigan. So I think it really comes down to how um, the five defensive backs on the field can tackle in the second level, and how they can stay with receivers going forward. And I'm cautiously optimistic about Kalen Kalan Gervin. Um, I mean, he's MSU's highest rated recruit on that side. He it's time for him to step up and. He, started showing it last week. So hopefully yeah. he can continue that performance going forward. Yeah. And I think you're going to see them miss more people in the secondary as the season goes on as injuries and stuff like that happens. So this should all change, but I mean, it, it, it's going to be a litmus test. I think this week, because I, I, the last two weeks you got literally 180, just completely different teams. You saw, you saw two different futures for this season in the last two games. So I think I will just kind of be the middle spot where you're like, okay, this is what this team is. They play a B team and whatever. But uh, if you have something to say, Stearns, about Trey Person, you know you can say it on the podcast. No, I know you. I, oh man, that was, I am so, so ready for Dom Long or Dowell to take his spot. He was the only defensive back that continued to have struggles early and often that entire game. As long as he's not the reason that they lose the game on the back end, they'll be fine. But gosh, I wish longer Dowell would play. Yeah, I they I think they bring Trey Persons in because in theory he's a faster guy he can cover, and he just hasn't really been able to do that. And he's not the greatest tackler. He's not terrible, but no, I'm saying like he just he hasn't provided what I think they're looking for. I don't know. I think it seems like everyone likes Trey Persons. Like he he's played a quite a bit the last three years so he must be showing them something in practice that we don't see but other than that i mean i'm looking forward to the game this weekend eric and nathan back on the call eric give nope. the people the eric information and, they eric need eric and zach eric, eric and, zach. and zach oh nate you're not nate's not on the call this week no i'm writing no zach's been working hard so i told him he could have the whatever so gotcha. I a little bit you know jared's gonna be making his Jared's on the call too. His on uh, his on air debut as the broadcast host. This love that. Uh, this Saturday after throwing it into the studio, giving the giving the updates. Yep, G- giving him yeah, giving him the keys out. to the kingdom. There pushing all the buttons. But Eric, give the people the information they need to listen to on Saturday. Sure, it's it'll be myself and Zach Serdenic and Jared at eleven thirty a.m. Eastern Saturday morning. Um, with the Spartan Red Zone pregame show, Spartans and Iowa kick off at noon. Um, Impact89fm.org/slash/listen-live. Anywhere in the world, you can listen to us. And if you're in the Lansing area, driving around 88.9 FM on your radio dial. So we had some fun last Saturday. Hopefully, we can have some more fun this Saturday. And as I always say, if Eric Bot's calling the game, listen. Pros, pro, and Nathan Stern. Nate, your analysis last week. When you're talking about the, you're talking blocking schemes, zone blocking oh, schemes yeah. as I'm cutting it up. I'm like that. I mean, 
These guys are better than the Monday night guys. I'm just telling you. I'm not, I, I'm not saying this in jest to the listeners. Listen, it's good. But uh, for, for all that, I, I mean, that was a long episode. We got five people on the show today. I got a headache trying to keep up with everyone. But for Ryan Collins, Eric Bob, Jared Ramsey, Nathan Stearns from his iPhone, hopefully he finished, fixes his internet connection by next week. Thank you for listening to SRZ. We'll see you guys next week.